On Local Matters, this week we focus on scams in housing matters. Yesterday we had Lily Zoric in our studio. She told us about her experience with scammers during her search for a flat. And today we are going to dig a bit deeper with Navid Pushanchi. Navid Pushanchi is a legal advisor for Union Luxembourgeoise des Consommateurs, so Luxembourg's Consumers Union. They help consumers with legal advice to defend their rights. And in our interview today, we are going to talk about rental contracts, about the rights of tenants and the rights of landlords, landladies. Hello, Navid Pushanchi. Hello, uh, Mrs. Special. Nice to meet you. And it's my pleasure today to uh, provide you with some answer regarding lease agreements. Maybe we start with the search of flats. Often you'll find advertisements online which seem just too perfect, too affordable, and sometimes even not, but people or the landlords just um, don't allow you to visit the premises or something, um, which seem to be scams usually. So how can people know that these advertisements are fake and what can one do to avoid um, stepping into this trap? Now, this is not a um, demand we get super often, I would say, But indeed, uh, you always have to distinguish, first of all, where you see uh, that advertisement. Uh, I mean, if it's on a very famous uh, platform, like, for example, Facebook, we do have uh, more probability that because everyone can uh, publish an advertisement and does not have to pay any commission or maintain an internet site like some, some agencies, for example, would do. So um, the risk of scam is bigger. But in that regard, um, if there is a, a, a criminal energy behind the, that advertisement, so a particular actually lying simply in order to, to get at least uh, one month of rent and then vanishing in nature, this is not something the ULC can provide any assistance because we do not have, like uh, the police, the tools in order to, to search for said individuals. However, uh, if we are considering an advertisement in all legality, there are some points uh, I shall talk and warn uh, some potential tenants about and uh, in order to be careful. One of the points is, of course, you shall never, that is a recommendation I give you, sign for any contract before having seen the premises. So a uh, potential landlord that uh, prohibits any visitation, as a consumer, uh, I'd say right away, uh, no. I will always insist on going uh, to the place and, and, and checking it out myself. Well, this is difficult if you live abroad, for instance, and you want to look for a place to stay in Luxembourg, but you're not here to visit the premises. You are absolutely right. 
The main victims are unfortunately the most vulnerable ones, which are the expats. So people coming from abroad, not knowing uh, how law works in Luxembourg, being quite under pressure because they have to find uh, some place to rent before starting to work and um, just uh, getting the, the, the best offer on the internet saying, wow, I pay for, for the best uh, quarter in, in Luxembourg and I pay so cheap and accepting that. So. Um, my advice in that regard is do not be in a rush, uh, take your time, visit the premises and uh, only sign if you are absolutely sure. And when signing, uh, be sure that if the landlord asks you for a deposit, which in 99% uh, of the cases they do, law actually says they have to, they have to establish an uh, enter inventory. So basically, if the landlord refuses to establish an enter inventory with you uh, the day you, uh, you, you will enter the premises, you, can, you could legitimately refuse to pay the deposit. That is something many tenants do not know. So the enter inventory is a legal obligation if you ask the deposit. However, the exit inventory is not, but it's definitely recommended. That's one thing. Uh, the second thing is uh, another criteria is sometimes the insistence also of the potential landlords. Um, because we do have the lease agreements that I will personally call the, the fast food contracts. Why? Because they uh, try to get a potential tenant as fast as possible and uh, fixing very short uh, determined length contracts like three months, six months and uh, saying that after expiration of, of this uh, delay, the contract will actually be over. However, that is uh, completely uh, illegal in regards of the law of 2006 because that law, actually our Luxembourgish law about rental contracts says that there is a lawful prorogation of tenancy agreements. In other words, one cannot say that a lease agreement has a determined length and after that it's over, the tenant has to leave the premises. So this is something you have to be careful, those famous fast food contracts as I call them. Um, so if we go chronologically from searching a flat, then next comes the contract. Mm. Um, I imagine that there are also some issues, um, pitfalls people could fall into. Where should one be careful with the contract? What problems can be there? What is legal? What isn't legal? Yes, so the first point is we do have many uh, contracts that uh, go against, as I said before, the lawful prorogation of tenancy agreements. Fast food contracts, uh, six months, you out, it's not uh, valid. So this is something you have to be careful. Uh, I mean, even if you sign it, that clause would simply be considered as, as void, I, I guess. Uh, now, the other things that can be, well, that are actually considered uh, legal or rather contractual, but you shall be uh, careful as a tenant, are clauses uh, like the painting clause, saying that you have to paint either after an amount of time or in general when you leave the premises, you have to repaint the whole apartment. 
this is actually something that is allowed. So be careful. Be careful, first of all, even if, you, if there is such a clause and if you sign such a clause, at least uh, try to um, ask the landlord to modify the clause in such way that when leaving the premises, you can choose the company you want to hire in order to do the painting. Uh, or at least have a discussion about the company to hire. What if the apartment hasn't been painted before you moved in? What if um, the apartment is quite old and everything, it hasn't been renovated? Are you still responsible for painting if it's um, set down in the contract? Yes, well, that is also an interesting question. And I think in some uh, neighbor countries it is actually uh, taken in consideration and uh, might be also prohibited. In Luxembourg, however, If it is figured in the contract, it is 100% contractual law. So you know the rule of the game. And if you do not agree, I will say in easier terms, you don't have to sign. Now, even if you sign, if things go to court, but once again, you would have to go to court before, which is not always the best solution, but a judge might decide that uh, this clause is simply not considered and it is abusive because of the factual situation. But in 99% of the cases, this clause is absolutely valid. Just as clauses that prohibit the tendency of uh, animals, uh, domestic animals, there are often clauses that say you cannot uh, have an animal with you in the premises or you cannot have a specific animal like a dog or a cat. I mean, um, they are valid. Another uh, issue is the... Um, a right to visit of a landlord, be it uh, in order to, to check the state of the, the flat or house or in order to potentially sell it to, to someone else because, of course, uh, a potential buyer would want to see what he's buying before uh, proceeding with the purchase. Now, if it figures in the contract, it's valid. However, it does not have to be exaggerated. Sure, even in the contract, if it says uh, six times a day uh, for two months, uh, you can come and have the visitation with a potential buyer, that would be uh, considered as exaggerated and the tenant could contest. If it's now in a reasonable frequency, maybe, you know, like two times a week, just for a short period, I'm not sure that the tenant can contest, especially if it's written in the contract. Um, how about in just regular situations where Yoshi doesn't want to sell the buildings. You said that the landlord cannot um, exaggerate this right to visit the premises, but what does that mean exactly? What can a, a tenant especially do to protect him or herself against a too pushy landlord? That's a very interesting question indeed. So the first consideration is, of course, to see is there any clause mentioning this right in the contract, yes or no. If there is, there we touch the subject you said about the criteria of reasonable. Well, for me, and I can talk to you about some of the cases I, I had, I think once a year is reasonable, or maybe maximum two times a year. Uh, it's contractual, you know. The landlord, if he does write in the contract, I, I can visit once a year in order to check if you did not do any damages. It's actually valid. Now, if, it, if it's once a month, for me, would be already exaggerated. So that is something to take in consideration. 
if now nothing is written in the contract, there's no such clause, in theory, uh, the tenant can um, prohibit any visitation. And uh, there was also this debate during COVID times, tenants not wanting the landlord to visit, even if it was written in contract, because they did not want to, they, they were families and did not want to take any unnecessary risk regarding the COVID uh, virus. So that was also an issue uh, we had. Um, in any case, uh, a, tenant, uh, a landlord that has a double of the keys can never use them without warning the tenant and having his explicit uh, agreement in order to, order, uh, to enter the premises. If he does so uh, behind, I would say, the tenant's back, that is actually a violation of, uh, of, of his rights, right? In French, we call this violation du domicile. So imagine the tenant has a serious doubt uh, about the landlord's seriousness and uh, thinks that the landlord would enter the premises in his absence, he may actually, if it's technically possible, change the locks. And of course, if it's not explicitly forbidden in the contract, he may change the locks as long as when he leaves, he puts them back. So that is something that if you really have uh, any fear about uh, the landlord proceeding the way I, I said, you shall be allowed to do. But uh, be aware, enter inventory equals exit inventory, so you always have to leave the premises in the same state you found them. From resolving the contract or ending the contract, afterwards... In the best case, you get back your bank deposit as a tenant, but uh, that's actually not always the case. Some landlords, landladies just find reasons to not give it back, if it's justified or not, um, I cannot judge this. Um, but what are justified reasons to hold the deposit back? Yes, you are absolutely right. So, first of all, let me start with what are not a justified reason to withhold the deposit back. Uh, this is explicitly stated in the law. Withholding the deposit in order to compensate uh, rent that the tenant has not been paying is prohibited. Besides, if both parties agree on, on, on proceeding that way, but law states that the existence of the security deposit is uh, actually for two reasons. Uh, the first reason being in order to see uh, at the end of the lease agreement, uh, during ideally an exit inventory, uh, what is due to normal wear and tear. This is, of course, the landlord's responsibility. And what is rather um, damage caused by the tenant? Uh, anything that pro proceeds from the tenant's manipulation. The landlord can withhold an amount of the deposit in order to repair any damage that has been caused uh, by the tenant uh, upon leaving. Now, uh, those damages have to figure in an exit inventory and ideally, ideally, enter in inventory equals exit inventory. So if enter inventory says it was in a good state and exit inventory says the same, well then the, the tenant shall get his deposit back because it did not cause 
uh, any damage. Uh, so this is something you have to be careful. Now, uh, we often get also the debates upon establishing the exit inventory where the landlord, let's say, accuses uh, the tenant of having done something justified or not. And the tenant asks us, yeah, can I in that case refuse actually to sign an exit inventory? This is not something I'd necessarily recommend. Why? Because the main goal would be also to uh, give back the keys to the landlord. Because as long as you have the key, the landlord can also ask you a rent. So that's one issue. However, if you do not agree with something the landlord is accusing you, you shall put a mention on the exit inventory. For example, in the enter inventory, he says the door uh, was in a perfect state. And now in the exit inventory, he says you, um, you put some holes or some scratches on the door. You do not agree that it's your fault. You think it's because you have been living there for 10 or 15 years. It's normal wear and tear. Sign the exit inventory, but put as a mention that you do not agree and give back the keys at the same time. If the landlord, that is also a question we get uh, many times, comes uh, with any new damages that were not discussed during the exit inventory after you gave back the keys, never accept those. Always contest, because who says you did those? It could be, it could be him, it could be anyone else. So this is not a valid way of proceeding. Another thing is, uh, if you do agree on some points being repaired, by your doings, always ask for an invoice, justified invoice, because uh, it cannot be that uh, repairing the door, the scratches from the door, costs, strangely enough, exact the same amount than the security deposit, right? So even in a better case, you do agree before proceeding to any repairment with the landlord to hire the company upon discussion of both parties. In that case, there's a total transparency and no bad surprise. Uh, but if there was a clause, sometimes there is, uh, in the contract stating that the landlord can choose the, the company he hires in order to do the painting or uh, repairing uh, any damage caused by tenant, always ask for an invoice. So damages, normal wear and tear, is one of the issues legal grounds for which a landlord can withhold an amount of deposit in order to repair. The second and last one is uh, the, for the final statement of charges. So as you know, in most, in 99% of the contracts, you pay the rent and plus you pay an advance against charges. With sending the final statement of charges, which the landlord usually gets at the end of the year, you shall see if your consumption, if what you paid as an advance for your consumptions during the lease agreement was enough or not, in easier terms. If you paid too much, you shall get reimbursed. If you did not pay enough, that's, the, that's one of the reasons the landlord may withhold your deposit in order to compensate that loss. Um, law does not impose any kind of deadline to the landlord in order to reimburse the deposit. There's not a, uh, what uh, we see in, in practice is either the landlord only reimburses you usually at the end of the year when he gets a final statement of charges, or you get one fraction of the deposit back upon giving back the keys, 
if everything is okay, if you did not damage any property, and the rest you get back at the end of the year. That's also something we see. So, but there's no deadline, no legal deadline at least. Okay, that's not in the favor of the tenant then. <laughs> it is how it is. Especially since you have to rent a new apartment and have a new, give a new deposit in the most cases. Okay. Thanks a lot for taking time for this conversation. Thank you very much, uh, Miss Special. It was my pleasure to provide you with this interview. Have a nice day. That was Navid Pushanchi, legal advisor for the Union Luxembourgeoise des Consommateurs, telling us about the rights of tenants and landlords, landladies in rental contracts.